Welcome, welcome to the Monterey Marriages Podcast. My name is Joey Drumright, and I've been married for 17 years to amazing wife, Erin. Joining me today, as always, is Dr. Dane Eggleston, who has been married for five years to his wife, Kaylee. Say hi, Dane. Hello. <laughs> and we also yeah, have with too, us... Was that too hoppy? No, no, that was, like that was good. That was like... good. I like it. Oh, yeah. No, I face, liked it. Yeah. I liked it. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm not to edit all that out, but yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. great. Okay. <laughs> Also joining us as always is Don Conright, who's been married for 10 years to her husband, James. Actually, you have an anniversary coming up, so that's pretty cool. We do. That's awesome. And joining us as always is Gina Robinson, our marriage guru of 30 years, who's having some technical difficulties, who cannot speak right now, but Gina is with us here. She's been married for 30 years to her husband, Eric. So before we get into our topic today, just a reminder to always feel free to send us feedback topics. I said uh, one of the times last time that you can even uh, send us curse words if you'd like. Just let us know you're out there and listening, and uh, but we would love to hear your feedbacks and topics. Again, that's monterreymarriages at gmail.com that you can send those things to us. Today, we're beginning actually a, a, our first uh, two-part episodes, and so we have two different episodes, uh, a series talking about the Enneagram. Uh, the Enneagram has been around for many, 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 many years. In the last five, seven, 10 years, it's kind of come into a greater recognition uh, in some good ways, healthy ways, and also in some not so good and not so healthy ways and how it's used. Uh, but some of the questions we're going to be asking today on this uh, pod is what exactly is the Enneagram and what is it not? Uh, what do each of the nine numbers mean and how does having a knowledge of the Enneagram, how might that impact your marriage? So to help us break down Enneagram, we have a guest on here with us today. Welcome Keegan Stewart to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. Say hello, Keegan. Hey, Joey. Hey, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for having me today. I'm happy to be here with y'all. Glad to have you. Hey, tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself, Keegan. Okay. So I am a uh, faculty member at Lubbock Christian University. I'm a lecturer of communication in our, in our mass media and communication department. I also uh, direct social media for LCU. I'm 25 years old. I am a Dallas Cowboys loyalist and a LeBron James advocate. <laughs> there and it is. Every time he's got to work Cowboys in there. LeBron, we not as much, LeBron but Cowboys James out time. though. We could have done without him, but it's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Moving forward. <laughs> um, and I think the last thing I have to say is that the irony is not lost on any of my ex-girlfriends that I'm a feature on a marriage podcast today. It's my first time. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so Keegan's gotten us off on a, uh, on a really good start here. <laughs> So Keegan, you also did a podcast called New Creation Podcast with Keegan Stewart that was Enneagram. Uh, and so you kind of, you did that. It's been a couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, we started that in 2019. Uh, we did season one, 10 episodes, really looking at the Enneagram, going through all nine numbers uh, rather in depth. And then the, the next year we did season two where we did uh, another 10 episodes. Uh, and I was happy to work with Dr. Brandon Fredenberg and Jeff Day and just had a really, really good, awesome learning experience um, with that. So, so yes, that's kind of where uh, part of my Enneagram background comes from is, is working with those guys and, and talking to over 20 people as guests on that, on that podcast. And that was very insightful. So you and I have a nice little sorted history with the Enneagram together. Yes, sir. Yeah. Joey <laughs> was one of our, Joey was one of our guests on the new creation podcast an episode titled I hate the Enneagram uh, <laughs> featuring Joey Drumright. And so while, while that title was a uh, clickbait ish and, and, and I wanted it to be that way. So people could, 
be like, oh, he hates it. Uh, so do I. I want to go hear, hear what this guy has to think. <laughs> it, it, also, it, it also was a really effective episode because it, it showed why the Enneagram can rub some people the wrong way and how, how people can get frustrated with how it's misused and mishandled and used as a justification. And so that, that was one of my favorite episodes, Joey. So Keegan, we're going to jump in here and, and we just kind of want to give you a little time to kind of break down the Enneagram for us. And so kind of tell us what's the best way to kind of start here and to kind of look at the Enneagram if you're kind of wondering, if you don't know much about it, what, how would you start? The first thing you need to understand, and this is what I've learned, the best thing to tell people is the Enneagram is a tool, okay? It is a tool that you can choose to use. It is a tool that you can leave sitting on the ground there in the toolbox and never pick up. Okay. It is not a, it is not a by all means. It is not a law. It is not a rule. It is not from the Bible. It is a tool that has been very, very helpful to lots of people uh, in our country and around the world, including myself, that if you want to use that tool, then, then use it. If you don't, then don't. So, so what is that tool? It's a personality profiling system, Joey. It, it, it is, not incredibly dissimilar from other personality profiling, profiling systems that you may have heard of. It's different and it's unique and it has its own, it has its own style and twist and flavor on things, um, but that's what it is. It is a system that is divided into nine numbers. And so when you use the tool, you will be given one of the numbers and, and that number represents you. It represents the lens of which you see the world how you process the world, um, what part of your body has more of a control center than other parts. And then what I mean by that is uh, head, heart, or instinct, uh, your gut. Um, so, so that's essentially what it is, a personality profiling system. That's a tool. Where does it come from? It, we, we don't know where it comes from. That's how ancient it is. It, it derives from ancient Christian monks, though. So for us, people of faith, uh, it does translate well into our, into our walk with Jesus and our spiritual journey. So that, that's a benefit of it as well. But that, that's where I would start with that, Joey. I must admit, Keegan, I was a little worried when you said it comes from different body parts as to where you were going with that for a few moments. <laughs> uh, I'm going to so, leave that one alone. Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> so when we first started talking about this, me and you, I mean, not way back when, but about this uh, podcast here, um, we talked about breaking it down and you said to break it down. First ones is eight, nine, one in terms of numbers. So the number eight, number nine, number one, why, why that, why start there and why eight, nine, one, not one, two, three. Sure. That, that is our first triad. We have nine numbers and we're going to have three different groups, three numbers per group. And why I start there at eight, Joey, is just simply starting um, at the gut center, the instinctual center, the gut triad. And I do it just because let's start at our gut and then kind of work our way up the body. We'll go to heart next. So that, that's why we start there at eight. Okay. Well, let's start there. Let's go ahead and start with eight. Kind of give us a little bit of a description of what an eight would be. You bet. The eight is the challenger. Each number has a name, okay? And that, that's what eight is, the challenger. This is your powerful, domineering, self-confident, decisive, willful, confrontational. Um, sometimes eights feel like they must control their environment. Uh, the, the people in their environment sometimes becoming confrontational, intimidating. Eights typically have problems with their tempers, uh, the, the anger triad there. Um, sometimes have trouble allowing themselves to be vulnerable, um, but at their best, 
uh, they're self-mastering. They use their strengths to improve others' lives, uh, becoming heroic, great leaders, magnanimous, and inspiring. Eight's basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. Their basic desire is to protect themselves. But some notable eights, notable eights, Franklin Roosevelt, Martin Luther King Jr., Queen Latifah, and Joey Drumright. <laughs> oh, cut that. You can cut that one. No, so not. I'm so glad I'm the one who edits this. This is so. That's the this makes me happy. That's the best. Yes. You were just included in a sense with the ML, was MLK and FDR. And, and Queen Latifah. And Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. <laughs> You're right. And Queen Latifah. That's good company. That is darn good company. I'm, I'm in. I, and so, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So I don't even know. Can we just stop there? We're just going to stop there. That's it. That's the Enneagram, people. Uh, have a good day. All right. We'll, we'll see you next time. Uh, <laughs> Everyone go. Do me a favor. Subscribe to the Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> Shameless plug. I know. I love oh, it. yeah. Um, so we got eight. So let's go to nine. Tell, tell us a little bit about nines. Nine is the peacemaker. Uh, this is the easygoing, self-effacing type. They're receptive, reassuring, agreeable, sometimes complacent. Nines are accepting, trusting, and stable, usually creative, optimistic, and supportive. Uh, but they sometimes can be too willing to go along with others is simply to keep the peace. Uh, they want everything to go smoothly without conflict. Nines do not like conflict. Um, they typically have problems with inertia and stubbornness, but at their best, they're all embracing. They are able to bring people together and heal conflicts. Nine's basic fear is of loss and separation, and their basic desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. Some notable nines, Ronald Reagan, Queen Elizabeth II, Audrey Hepburn, and Dr. Dane Eggleston. Yes. There you and Don, go. Don Conright, too. She's a nine as well. And right. Don Connor, how about that? <laughs> and while we don't sure. know for sure, I know that sometimes Gina, you'd identify as a nine at times. So yeah, definitely. So we got eight, nine. Let's go to one because you said that one would be in this triad here. So talk, talk to us about a one. Type one is often called the perfectionist, but more recently kind of renamed by Ian Morgan Cron, the, the author of The Road Back to You, renaming it to the improver. This is the rational idealistic type. These are principled, purposeful people, uh, self-control, a very strong moral compass, oftentimes are perfectionistic. There's one thing about type one that separates it from every other number. And I've never met a type one that doesn't agree with this. Type ones would tell you that they have this voice inside of their head called the inner critic. This is a voice that is constantly on and constantly talking to them, telling them to do better, be better, that wasn't good enough. That could have been more perfect. If you are trying to type yourself and you have that voice, this is one of the strongest, most distinct indicators throughout the whole tool that can, can point you in a direction. Type ones are well organized, orderly. They try to maintain high standards, um, but can run into trouble when they slip into being too critical and too perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience, but at their best, they're wise, discerning, realistic, and noble. Their basic fear is of being corrupt, evil, or defective. Their basic desire is to be good, have integrity, and to be balanced. Some notable ones, Plato, Nelson Mandela, Jerry Seinfeld, and Julie Andrews. Man, I, I haven't heard those, those uh, the way you've done that notable ones, notable eights, nines. I love that. That's good. I can carry that around and be like, hey, <laughs> I'm just like 
Barack Obama. I'm, I could be a president <laughs> or something. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Don, uh, Don Ian, Ian Morgan Cron often says that type nines make the best presidents. Really? And, yes, really? And so there have been other presidents that have been type nines. But I kind of find that funny because as a peacekeeper, it's hard to please everybody. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like it would be really hard to be a president because you want everybody to be happy and, you know, everything's good and you're chill, but that's never the case when you're the president. So I don't know. That would be hard. I think it's probably why you yeah, can see, definitely. you can see their aging, you know, their age changes significantly, right. even in one term, but especially they go eight years, you see go from Brown or dark head to gray headed in eight years so fast. Cause it ages them. So I read the book and I identify with more so with those, the eights, the nines and stuff. And then I got to like the twos, threes, and fours, and I, it lost me. (laughs) So what do you, what do you have to say about those, those three? About, about the next triad with the heart. Yes. Yeah. So it it probably lost you, uh, Don, because you are so, um, your default and you're so used to functioning through, through that kind of feeling, like that gut feeling where people that are the emotional and the dreamy and the hearty are, are just not your, you know, that's not your instinct. That's not your natural instinct. And so that's probably the biggest difference is where you're like, Hmm, those people are weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that's kind of the difference. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that is the example as we transition to the next triad that people process the world through these control centers, just in a different way. And so that, that's where we go next. We move from the gut up to up to the heart. Yeah, let's go ahead and do two. Go ahead. Yeah. Type twos are the helpers, the caring, interpersonal type, generous, demonstrative, people pleasing, and sometimes possessive. Twos are empathetic, sincere, warm-hearted. They're friendly, generous, self-sacrificing. Can also be sentimental, flattering, and people pleasing. They're well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but sometimes slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. At their best, though, they are unselfish and altruistic. They have unconditional love for others. Their basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. Their basic desire, to feel loved. Notable twos, Nancy Reagan, Lionel Richie, and Dolly Parton. I'm just curious, Keegan, because a lot of times people get confused between nines and twos. I think they get those two intertwined a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, just what what would be the biggest difference you would say between a nine and a two? Yeah, nines and twos is probably the most the most consistent mistype on the Enneagram. They're very they're very similar. And the primary difference, Joey, is what Don and I just spoke about. One is going to process the world through their heart and be more open to feeling and emotions and things like that where nines are going to be more of your gut instinct second thing are twos are typically going to care more what people think about them than nines are not that nines won't but twos will really make that as a focal point where are you going in 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 stress where are you going in health and see which which one fits better as you try to identify between nine and two to, to move us along, though, uh, Keegan, tell us about threes and make sure you you keep notable people in those, too. I just want to make sure that we uh, want to hear okay. the notable people that you have for threes. Well, you know, I'm not going to do what you're wanting me to do, but type I'll three. I'll do it for you then. Type three <laughs> is the performer or the achiever, the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptable, excelling, driven, image-conscious. Uh, threes are self-assured, charming, ambitious, 
competent and energetic, but they can also be status conscious and highly driven for advancement, diplomatic, poised, but also can be overly concerned with their image and what others think of them. They typically have problems with work, workaholism and competitiveness at their best, self-accepting, authentic, everything they seem to be um, points out our role models to other people and can inspire other people. Their basic fear is of being worthless. Their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. Notable threes, Augustus Caesar, Oprah Winfrey, and LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, twice used now. Did she you have LeBron to put him? There. He like, did that on You purpose. didn't even have to add that. Well, he could have gone anyplace else. It, if it makes you feel any better, Don, Kevin Durant is an extremely unhealthy three, in my opinion. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's right. fair. So tell us about fours. Let's go into the last part of the heart triad. You bet. Type four, the individualist or the romantic, sensitive, introspective, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental fours have the largest emotional range on the Enneagram, by far the most emotional number out of any of them. They're the most emotionally honest, creative and personal, but can also be moody and self-conscious. Without holding themselves from others due to feeling vulnerable and defective, they can also feel disdainful and exempt from ordinary ways of living. They typically have problems with melancholy, excuse me, melancholy, self-indulgence and self-pity, but at their best, these folks are highly creative they're able to renew themselves and transform their experiences. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance, while their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance. Notable fours, Edgar Allan Poe, Bob Dylan, and Winona Ryder. So the, the next triad, Keegan, I feel like is one that I, I don't really... I mean, sevens, I feel like are kind of the exception, at least for me, because I feel like sevens have really big personalities, but I feel like fives and sixes are, are Enneagram types that people don't talk about as much. Um, maybe because their personalities are a little bit um, quieter, whereas like, like threes and ones and sevens have very like distinct personality traits that I think separate them from some of the others. Um, could you kind of transition into to that next triad and, and tell us a little more about that? Yeah, and I like the way you set it up there, Dane. That that makes sense. Fives, we probably talk the least about them, probably because that's exactly how they want it, and they're the the most <laughs> quiet type typically. Yeah. Um, sixes, I find it, you know, the extremely dynamic number, probably uh, the most dynamic number that's spoken about the least. And there's yeah. probably more type sixes uh, in the world than any other number. Uh, some experts claim so. Um, but yeah, let's let's move right in, Dane, and keep going. Type five is the investigator the intense cerebral type. They're perceptive, innovative, secretive, isolated sometimes. Fives are alert, insightful, and curious. They're able to concentrate and focus on developing complex ideas and skills. They're independent, innovative, and inventive. Sometimes this type is known as the observer rather than the inv investigator. They run into trouble sometimes because they become detached, yet high, strong, and intense. They can have problems with ec eccentricity, nihilism and isolation but at their best they're visionary pioneers often ahead of their time they're able to see the world in an entirely new way their basic fear is of being useless helpless or incapable their basic desire is to be capable and competent notable fives albert einstein bill gates and mark zuckerberg 
I was going to be surprised if technology and social media was not somewhere in the midst <laughs> of those guys. Cool. Can you tell us a little more about sixes? I feel like that's one that, like you said, they're really dynamic, but we don't know. Or I think they're, they're not spoken about as much. They're not. And sixes are so dynamic, Dane, that we would need to do a whole hour if we really wanted to peel back all the layers. The, the one sentence I'll say is there's something known as a phobic six and something known as a counterphobic six. But we obviously do not have the, the time for that today. Type six is called the loyalist, the committed, security-oriented type. These folks are engaging, responsible, anxious, yet suspicious. The commit, uh, sixes are reliable, hardworking, responsible, and trustworthy. These folks are excellent troubleshooters. They foresee problems and foster cooperation. They sometimes can be defensive, evasive, and anxious. They can be suspicious of authority. Um, they typically have self problems with self-doubt and suspicion. At their best, though, they're internally stable and self-reliant, courageously championing themselves and others. Basic fear for sixes is of being without support and guidance. The basic desire is to have security and support. Notable sixes, Mark Twain, Tom Hanks, and George H.W. Bush. I also saw Ellen DeGeneres in that group, too. Oh, yeah. But that's that's interesting but i i don't know i always have always thought it's interesting that seven sits right next to six when i feel like those personalities are pretty different can you talk about sevens a little bit yeah so you're right they are different uh type sevens is the enthusiast uh the busy variety seeking type spontaneous versatile acquisitive sometimes scattered sevens are extroverted optimistic versatile and spontaneous uh playful high-spirited high-spirited, practical, um, but sometimes they can misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted and, and often start something new before they finished what they were currently on. At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. Seven's basic fear is of being deprived and in pain, their basic desire is to be satisfied and content, to have their needs fulfilled. Notable sevens, Thomas Jefferson, Robert Downey Jr., and Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, one of my favorite things watching you talk when you're describing these different numbers is watching Gina. Gina's reaction to each number has been so interesting to watch her reaction because mainly because you don't know where you, where, where you fall. No, you don't know what you identify Everyone knows I go, I think that's me. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's kind of, <laughs> for me- for me, with my struggle with the Enneagram is when people who, who don't know, people feel the need to tell them, this is what you are and not, this is what, you know, I feel different pieces of it and discovering is that part of the Enneagram is discovering. It. And so watching you respond, you know, non-verbally with, with your body language was fun to watch in this because when there's hey, certain Joey. aspects, you start smiling. Yeah, Keegan. I just wanted to say a, a bulk of the information that I just relayed going through the nine numbers comes from both the Enneagram Institute, as well as the road back to you, Ian Morgan Cron's book. And some of it was just spliced from some of the notes I had through, through the podcast experience. Excellent. So I just wanted to cite the sources there. I appreciate that. Well, Keegan, we're going to, we're going to kind of wear you down a little bit and ask you a few questions here, if that's okay. You, it, it, it's always funny because you're not married and you're on a marriage podcast because you give us some uh, wonderful expertise of understanding something, but also I think there's quite a bit we can glean from you. So I'm going to let Gina ask you a few questions. So Keegan, what is your number and how has that made an impact in your life? 
my my number is type three, uh, the performer, uh, the achiever. And, and Gina, it has impacted my life significantly. Sometimes people will, you know, they'll see the podcast or they'll see me in conversation with somebody else. And the topic we're discussing is the Enneagram. And I think, you know, people have asked me or people wonder, like, why is he always talking about that? Like, why would he care about that to such an extent? And the truth is, Gina, is because the Enneagram using this tool that we've been talking about impacted my life significantly. Um, And to be like really transparent, it helped me uh, get out of a hole that I was in at a certain part of my life um, at about age 21, 22. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much so that I didn't even really know that I was in the hole, okay, or in, Mm -hmm. in, in a season of unhealth until this tool kind of guided me to realizing that. So um, that's, that's part of the reason. Um, it showed me how to be vulnerable. It showed me that, hey, your number has the resistance to sharing feelings, to yes. telling people what's really going on. How about you give that a try? How about you learn how to do that? And, and what I found was a real freedom in, in learning how to do that and new exploration of what it meant to have feelings. I learned how to, you know, actually have them and sit with them and wrestle with them rather than what the material described as threes knew how to do feelings rather than having them. So that, that was one thing. That's what, that was one thing that I would learn that I've learned. That's really good. Um, I think that, you know, you can know yourself, but now you really know yourself. That's, that makes it easier you can know where your blind spots are and all of that. So that's helpful. Like the biggest point of the Enneagram and, and the thing that people miss oftentimes is this, you know, you are not your number. Yeah. You, you are making a mistake right. if you learn your number and you're like, okay, here's my new, here's my new point of identity. Here's my, I can put it on my driver's license. Like here, here's who I am now. Mm-hmm. That's a mistake. And that takes place way too often. Um, And another reason why I like it so much is because it provides a very clear path to transformation. Okay. Mm -hmm. It says, here's where you are. Here's where you should strive to go. That should, that should be everybody's goal. What's my number? What's my point of transformation? What does it look like for me to get there? I think that's a great point, especially when it comes to marriage and relationships is because you're going to see the best and the worst of people. And so you like, you know, we were talking about how we were identifying uh, with some of our spouses and things of that nature and being able to pinpoint the, by nature, we like to go negative. And so we can see the negative a lot faster. And so we can pinpoint the negative to go, Hey, Joey, you're an eight. And you see the negative side of eight, but I'm hoping that they can also see the, the for me, a two which would be much more of the healthy side of it, the helper in that regard to it. And so I think you're exactly spot on. And with our spouses, that helps us see both sides um, in regards to the best and the worst of our numbers when it comes to that. Keegan, um, in your experience, how has um, your number or your identification had an impact in your romantic relationships in the past? <laughs> I've been or currently, I don't know. I don't know if you're dating somebody or not, but... <laughs> It has been it has been a part of some of the relationships that I've had in the past simply as it comes to conversations. Anytime I learned somebody else's number, that told me a lot because I ought to, because I'm familiar and I'm savvy with 
the material and how they might see the world, it could help me in understanding how they probably do too. I, Interesting. I, I once uh, was dating a type seven and I'm a, I'm a type three. If I did not know about the Enneagram material, I would have been exponentially confused as to why the, this person did some of the things that they did or just how, how they naturally uh, saw the world differently than I did or processed the world or like made daily decisions and choices. No, no, I'm not talking about anything profound, just like speed and, and scatteredness and structure and spontaneity. Me knowing that they were a seven, I had like empathy in my head to be like, oh, okay, that is how they see the world. I see it differently. There, our lenses are just built in different ways and that's okay. And so yeah. it, did, it did help with things like that. It's pretty interesting to hear you talk about how all of this impacts relationships in general. Um, I'm, I guess I'm curious for you, have you seen the Enneagram impact like any married couples that you know? Yeah, Dane, I, I've seen it be a great strength um, to couples who are both savvy with the material, okay? I, mm-hmm. And it can be, it can be that great tool. Um, but I'll also be honest, I've seen couples who learn about the material and then will take that justification route and mm-hmm. not really use it in the most helpful and healthy way. Um, and this is very common. Uh, so I'll, I'll speak to that too. You know, like people that misuse it, husbands and wives that might misuse it, they might do something like, well, it's okay for me to be a jerk sometimes because I'm an eight or yeah, my wife always does the dishes because she's a two. That's just what she does. Or, you know, thank goodness my wife is a one. <laughs> Our house is always spotless. Or I don't have to talk about my emotions because my husband is a four and he does enough of that for the both of us. Or, you know, <laughs> or, or, or Dane, like I, I it's not, it, it's not too uncommon for me to make a joke about you and Kaylee when yeah. I'm doing presentations on the Enneagram. Like I'll make uh-huh. a joke. I'll say my brother-in-law Dane is a nine. So is my older sister Kaylee you know, they're married, they're both nines, they're still waiting to have their first fight, you know, things like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like things like that. And, and so people do run into trouble with that. You have to get and, and it. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Transparently, what I just did, like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that was funny. And that is, I think it's okay to do that. As long as you still like end of the day with the understanding of you need to use this tool to help you get to somewhere, help, help right. you get mm-hmm. to a healthier yeah. spot. I think of uh, actually a member at, at Monterey. I think of the Jacksons. I think of Keisha Jackson and Landon Jackson. Um, you got a two in Keisha and an eight in Landon who, who uh, is just a really cool couple and a really cool marriage. Mm-hmm. Then I think they exemplify the healthy two and the healthy eight in an awesome way, which is like a, you think of two and eight, it's like this fire and ice combo. One of the most interesting uh, connection points on the on the Enneagram, in my opinion. But I think about them and their demonstration of using the material in a healthy and useful way. So uh, in that in that vein of marriage and relationships for you, Keegan, do you have a number you're looking for? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's hilarious. Oh, it's a loaded question. We know that. But yeah. We're ask it nonetheless. You know, you know me, Joey, you know, and the Enneagram being in my life for so long that, you know, me and some buddies or friends have like talked about that. Um, <laughs> but I think the most important answer to this question is for everybody to hear this very clearly. Any healthy number will work in relationship with another healthy number. 
Okay. There's, there's not like these combinations or only six will work with this. I don't believe in that. Is there preference? Like, like, yes. Like me. Okay. I'll transparently Joey. I consider myself to be kind of a lot. Okay. I kind of, I kind of think, I kind of think that I'm a lot sometimes and I'm doing some self-reflection about that currently anyway. But so like me and an eight, I've thought we might pull each other's heads off at some point. Right. Uh, you know, me and a seven, like, Oh, I think they're a little bit too sporadic for me. Sometimes I don't know if this is the healthiest way to look at it. Um, I've thought before that a member, a, a fellow member of the heart triad might be good for me because believe it or not, Don, I am kind of that, uh, you know, feely and romantic and emotional yep. sometimes. So maybe somebody that's a member of the heart triad would complement those things. Well, I don't know. I've also thought about type six because that's my, that's my point of growth. And they're, you know, they would be there and they'd be consistent and steady and loyal. Like, Oh, that would be good for me. Uh, so yeah, Joey being, uh, you know, not being married and, and having people ask me that before I've thought about it, but you know, I won't date that way. Like, okay. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Cool. What's your Enneagram number? All right. You're an eight. All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> you know, you're out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it won't, it won't be like that. So, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of the fun part of talking about the Enneagram and all the different pieces of it is um, how we kind of perceive other people. And we like to perceive them the way we want to versus allowing them to tell us or ex exemplify to us what it is that their number is. And so, uh, King, I just, one, I just appreciate you that that last answer, because it was a setup question, not for you to answer it that way, but a setup question to see, because we I was really curious how you're going to answer that question. I've never asked it to you before. And so <laughs> I appreciate your, your wisdom and how you answered that one, but, uh, and also just appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and kind of give us a little bit of your expertise. I know you don't consider yourself an expert in this, but of the people I know, you know, and you know how to use wisdom in this and discernment and how you uh, portray this. And so I just want to say, appreciate that. Thank you for talking with us and sharing that expertise and your wisdom and discernment with us today. Hey, well, thank you all for thinking of me. I really enjoyed having this conversation with y'all. Again, I would just remind people like it's a tool. It's not a, uh, a by all means. It's not an end all kind of thing. And if you want to use the tool, use it, use it in the right way. It, it, the cool thing is Joey is it helps us understand and it gives us language to seeing how we're all a little bit different. Yeah. But at the same time, how we all reflect God's image. That's, yeah. one, of the, that's one of the coolest parts about this too. And, and, and I feel like just need to say that too. We're all different, yeah. but God all made us that way. And we reflect, we reflect him and, and how beautiful that is. Well, we, uh, we're going to kind of give a quick preview. So the next time this is, we're about to end this pod in just a few moments, we'll give a challenge and a takeaway like we normally do, but a little preview is, um, next time we're going to talk, uh, the Dane, Don, Gina, and myself are going to talk a little bit about our numbers, kind of where we see it in our marriage as best we can. Uh, maybe a little bit of what, who our spouses, how we see them or how they see themselves more importantly and how it impart, impacts our marriages. And then the second half, we're going to have a guest in here, two guests, um, uh, Ryan and Shelby hands are going to kind of join us and tell us a little bit of how the Enneagram has impacted their marriages, uh, their marriage and not multiple marriages, <laughs> how the Enneagram has impacted their marriage. And so, uh, just a little preview for you there. Hope you join us for next time. Uh, we always try to give a takeaway, a challenge, something for you to do. And this is a pretty simple one. We always say have conversations with each other because communication is the number one thing in marriage that often is what causes detachment and disconnect. And so have a conversation, but also we encourage you to take the time to go read the book, The Road Back to You. 
it's really easy for your spouse or somebody else to tell you what your number is or to tell you what they see. But really, it's the self-discovery that really does matter in this is reading and understanding it yourself versus having somebody tell you what it is. And so we encourage you each to read that book uh, and to engage in it. Also go to the Enneagram Institute website. Uh, I think it says enneagraminstitute.com, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we'll put both of these in our show notes, a link to it on Amazon for the book and just a link to the website for you to go look at, get a little more information. We encourage you just to take some time and look at it. If you've already actually read and you have some knowledge of the Enneagram uh, is to, to even have a conversation with your spouse about this. How do you view it? How do you use it? Are you using it and viewing it in healthy ways or is it used as a weapon? Uh, we were joking before the podcast began that one of us in here had used it as a joking weapon. And, uh, and they said, you know, I was, I was kind of joking, kind of not joking. And we were just kind of laughing about that, that. And often we use it that way once we get to understand it. And it can be really funny, like Keegan was joking about with Kaylee and Dane. Or sometimes it can be hurtful um, and, and painful when it's not used appropriately. Well, Dane, Gina, Dawn, thank you for joining us today. Keegan, also thank you for taking some time today to be here with us. Um, uh, we always want to see what God's doing in marriages and his church. And, uh, and so we just pray that uh, this be a tool that you can use, not something that is going to detract, but something that grows you closer to God. Intimacy with my God is intimacy, so intimacy with my spouse. And so we pray this is a, a tool in the toolbox that you can use in some way to help grow you closer to him in your marriage. As always, um, let us know your feedback, your thoughts, topics you want to hear about at montereymarriages at gmail.com. And as always, not most importantly, but one of the fun things is fight naked.